the future generations could get this urge. Stay woke, youngin', and avenge these nerds. Uh. It's Tuesday night. Oh wait, I'm on the bottom. No, that's not. That's not right. <laughs> there we go. Is, I mean, is that serious? It is that serious. We have we have our we have our flow. It helps, you know it helps it with the introduction flow. I think that's what it is. True. I'll give that. I'll give that. <laughs> it's your boy, Sebastian. It's your boy, Law. And your boy, Tone, from across the hall. Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live with the nerds. And you know what time it is. We're it's going to be What if? Oh, yeah. But we also got a special here for you guys tonight because um, we're going to go right. But before we air that little special um treat and everything, let's go over some announcements, the announcements. So please, guys, if you're watching, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow, like, follow us on Twitch. Um, listen to us on Spotify, on your favorite podcast apps. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok. So please follow us on there. Also to September 29th, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to be doing a little fun special with MLA Entertainment um, involving one of their projects, Project Infinity. So we're actually going to do a live table read with Projects um, Xfinity with, uh, with Project Infinity um, with MLA Entertainment. With um, eh, you know what I mean? With MLA Entertainment's Project Infinity. Okay, I can't say that five times fast. I am messed up. All right, but yeah, I'm you excited go, for that. You try to burn through announcements. Slow no, because down. I'm excited. Man, it's Tuesday. I know you're excited, but you can still just slowly. Just go. A, anyway, just a, just a smidge. Just a yeah. smidge. You know what it is? I just need an Austin. That's it. <clears throat> just one Austin. <laughs> Austin is not always the answer. It is. Anyway, but that's about it. So um, let me play the commercial for you guys because um, in the back, we got the amazing Jeff Ryder right now who is with us. Um, His new book is out, The Arcane Cocktail Enthusiast. The Kickstarter just started today. The link is in the description so you can get your hands on this book to, by helping support this Kickstarter. If you don't know what this Kickstarter is about, let's roll that beautiful bean footage. Yo, that trailer is just on fire right yes, there. I'm here a, for it. That's a good trailer. <laughs> Yo, for real. I'm here for it. Let's do so, it. So without further ado, the one, the only, Jeff Ryder. Jeff, what's up, brother? Welcome hey, back. guys. What's going on? What's up? Welcome what's up? Back. Oh, it's good to be back. How you been? We're good. We're, We're good, good, man. Good, good. I, what, 
Fresh uh, off your, your last Kickstarter, fresh off Con. You've been a busy man, sir. Oh, God, man, you don't even know. We did two cons since Embiyond, I feel like. Oof, we were at MegaCon. We are at MegaCon in Orlando, and we were at Florida SuperCon in Miami. Wow. Ooh, nice. Oh, you've yeah. been busy. Yeah, we have been nice. busy. So on the con circuit. Manning tables, or they did digital? No, we did tables at both of them. Nice, oh, nice, nice. Yeah. How's that been like? MegaCon Orlando was great. It's right in my backyard. I live in Orlando now. And um, even though I used to live in SF, and just one second, I'm the only dude not wearing a hat this time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that happened to me last time, too. So now I get the hat out. Re- represent the Bay Area where I used to live. <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah, we were doing uh, we were doing MegaCon in Orlando, and it was great. It was it was everybody was masked up. They were real strict about the rules. They were walking around like if your mask was even down on your nose a little bit, they're like, nope, get nope, get that up, bring it up, bring it up. Even some of the cosplayers. There's a kid in a full Spidey costume, and then on top of it, he still had his mask on. It was awesome. Oh, that's nice. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was real, it was funny. It's like way to go, Spidey. He's like, you know, got to breath the mask. So it was pretty good. I love that. Yeah, love they're, that. they're 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 a little slower than they used to be. They're not as nuts, um, but that's probably better. It helps people stay apart a little bit, do the distancing thing. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was good. Well, it was um, good. good to be in front of people and and talking and just kind of being out there with the community and stuff. It was. It was really good to yeah. see the folks who run the shows. You know, you get to know those folks. And it's nice to meet folks on your table again. Sometimes you see people in Artist Alley. You know, you always meet new people you didn't know, new creators, and other folks are making cool things. I met a really awesome. Uh, colorist from uh, Chile at the last show. Oh, nice. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to run into them again at, at uh, New York, it looks like. So it's oh, pretty man. cool. New York, New York, New York is going to be dope, man. And if for those who don't know, if you see New York, um, Jeff Ryder at New York City Comic Con, please approach him. Yeah. Ask him about his awesome Kickstarters. But, um, bro, I want to find me an artist alley. I'm going to be in there my first year oh, ever in Artist Alley, New York. Cool. Congratulations. Yeah. I'm, hold, I'm holding down a table. Uh, and I'm going to bring in uh, my buddy Johnny C, who y'all probably know. He's going to be on my team. Ah, that's oh. awesome. That's, yo, that's going to be so dope. Yeah, we're stoked. This is it's a big deal for us. So please, please send us for all the real? table information so we can get a shout out and everything. Yes. Maybe do like a little pre-show or something. We're like, yep, come catch up, Johnny. And oh, that's a party right there. That's major, man. Congratulations to both of you guys. Yeah, Just ask Johnny fun. for the special coffee. Um, but oh, I want to yeah. congratulate <laughs> you, bro, because you're almost you're like halfway completing your pledge, and it just launched today. You're halfway there. So please tell us about the arcane cocktail enthusiasts. Oh, thank you guys. Uh, we're stoked. Yeah, uh, this book was on hiatus for a little while during the pandemic, and we're really, really glad that we were able to bring it back. Um, we did a quick like one-shot comic right at the beginning of the, of the pandemic about go home, don't go to bars anymore, because our book's about a bar, and we didn't want people like super excited about it doing stupid stuff. So uh, yeah, the arcane cocktail enthusiast is a thing that uh, I concocted with uh, an artist named David Pupo, and it's about a woman in San Francisco who owns uh, her own cocktail bar, and she's also secretly a wizard and makes drinks with magic. So all of her beverages have magical ingredients from crazy creatures and stuff. And um, we did two issues so far. At the end of the last one, our uh, our intrepid bar staff were in some big trouble. They were in the bay in San Francisco, and they were drowning, and there's some really bad stuff going on. And then... Uh, Big spoiler, we found out that at least one member of the bar staff is one of the last mermaids in existence. And she comes in and saves everybody. And that's all the beginning of issue three. And then it just gets crazier from there. We have like running magical battles in the mission in San Francisco, which is pretty great. 
We're going to magically destroy at least uh, one copy shop. So, <laughs> San Francisco's like probably got, San Francisco's probably got that slowly, coming. Slowly, it's like ripping apart. I'm like, no, not the yeah, coffee yeah. shop. Yeah. Well, it's San Francisco. Everybody will think you're just practicing for Burning Man. They won't even really know what's going on. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's really great. This issue is hardcore. There's some dark secrets that get revealed about our main character, Lark, and her magical past and how she uses her magical cookbook to become the super awesome bartender and why certain people are hunting these creatures. And um, it's, it's going to get a little dark before the end, but uh, it's, it's fun. It's, it's that third issue, so we got to really bring in that scary stuff going on. And a big shout out from Rodney Fike, who you guys could catch on his channel. Definitely. He was always doing some awesome drawing. And we had him on for Peter Perry. goes, magic drink mixes. Makes you want to stay around for last call. Yes, it does. Definitely. That's right. Definitely. There, is exactly. a, uh, there are magical drink recipes in every issue, actually. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, I was, I was a bartender for like 20 years, so I've got some good recipes. And uh, some of these are magic. But, you know, if you can't get a hold of unicorn tears, there are some real world substitutions you can use, like vodka. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, we, yes. we we made sure that if you're not a wizard, you can still probably pull off a pretty good version of the drink that's in the back of the book. That's like yeah. fun. That's, that's really like cool. A, it's like adult Hogwarts. But I, I love the. Um, I want to. I want to like. As you keep talking about the book, the inspiration, and everything. I do want to show what you have on your Kickstarter page here, um, with uh, some preview of what people can see with the artwork and everything. Oh wait, oh, and oh. it didn't pop it up. Was it was almost there. This is this is the fun part about lives, all the fun stuff. All right, here we go. And for those who are listening, yes, tune into the YouTube channel because then you can see this. But look at these pages right here. This is some look beautiful at David's artwork. David's stuff is bonkers, like crazy detailed, and it's all about world building, which is what made me want to break on the book with him in the first place. He's so great at at just establishing these unbelievable places and fantastical beings and stuff. I mean, check out that mermaid. How fly is that? That is very dope. I mean, he really nailed it. And uh, we have a new colorist on this issue, which we're also stoked about. Leslie Atlansky is awesome. I've known her for a little while and through some of the anthologies that I was part of. And she's super great and has kind of taken on coloring duties and just really put an extra sheen on David's work, which is, I mean, it's just gorgeous. No, the, the, the David's work and then the colors on top of it, it just makes it just really, really, really stand out with this book. It's really beautiful, these pages. And then yeah. again, like even like right here with the lights and the colors and all that, that neon glow and all that, it gives like that it, the magical feel that you get you're creating in this world's popping off. And even the color of that drink. So um, I'm so I already know Jeff, you're a bartender. You're gonna be mixing us this drink when we all have a nerds in person. Jeff, you're gonna be in the background at the bar making us drinks. That's right. <laughs> Yo, I feel like we've been just inviting a bunch of bartenders to come out and hang out with us. Yeah, there's supposed to be, be a huge ass cookout that 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 sea bass keeps uh, manifesting into the universe. Listen, I'm here for it, but like. <laughs> I don't know if our livers are here for it, but we're we're, we're trying our best. It's all right. That's why you eat barbecue food. It soaks up the alcohol, and you keep drinking. It's a That's marathon. Right. That's it's right. Your ribs there, not there. a sprint. Yeah, you don't you don't go four IPAs deep, and then that's it. You call, you tap out. <laughs> so, what are some of the um, awards that people can um, expect when they're supporting the e Kickstarter? Oh, there's some good stuff in there. You just scroll past the crazy good alt cover that uh, our pal Liana Kangas did for us. Look at that thing. How great is that? Gorgeous. Liana's done a great uh, alt cover, so we've got two versions of issue three that are out. Um, the fun part about this book is it's always got good bar swag. For it. <laughs> not only can you get not only can you get the new issue, and if you are brand new to the series and you haven't found us before, there are tiers where you can get all three issues, so you get caught <clears> up all the way. You can do physical, you can do digital. We're doing both versions, but there you see the awesome bar coasters, 
We had coasters last time. We got some more of them this time. I've just about used up all my coasters. I have like six left. So uh, <laughs> uh, they're great. They're uh, they're flat. They're recyclable. They're good for the world. Um, we're gonna have bar staff T-shirts again. Uh, this is a little bit of a different design than we did the first time. Um, it might, might might be subject to change. David and I are, are tweaking the the logo of the bar staff shirt for a little bit, but uh, I'm still rocking the last of the old bar staff shirts from the last time. So uh, this one this one's about wore out. I need a new one. Um, but yeah, there's going to be some good stuff. We've got a couple of sort of secret things depending on how far we get down the deal. Um, but it's all, it's, it's fun cause it's always bar related. Uh, we won't be doing what we did for the last campaign, which was the, uh, the Arcanist bar, uh, matchbooks. Cause Aww. we found, cause we found out it's a violation of federal law to ship matches <laughs> in the mail. You, you already have Cheyenne's that makes, money. That's sounds- <laughs> and I was like, take my money. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That said, next time I see you in real life, I've still got about 20 matchbooks left, so I'll save them for you. There it is. Cool, cool, cool. There we go. And then um, also, too, they get the, the poacher, right? Yes, this is really cool. This, speaking of New York Comic Con, um, me and uh, an artist named Jarrett Katz met at the last real live in-person New York Comic Con. And we hung out for a while, and we were just totally vibing. It's one of those things where you meet an artist, and right off the bat, you can tell that their style makes you want to tell stories, and um, Jared and I sat and we talked about like what we dig when it comes to fantasy and like full blown sword and sorcery, sci-fi fantasy. Uh, the arcane cocktail enthusiast is probably what you call urban fantasy. Sometimes it happens in other worlds. Sometimes it happens in our world, but the poacher is in a wildly fantastical world and it's about hunting and magical creatures. So it's a little adjacent to what's going on with, uh, arcane. So it felt like a good uh, place to include it. But, uh, Jared and I came up with this story. Yeah. It's about, a. Uh, a woman who's uh, po- poaching a dragon on the king's preserve and hunting at a place where magic is fatal. And uh, she's both a, a hunter and a sorcerer herself. And she's a, just a hoss. Uh, Jarrett created this great, huge, big Ronda Rousey looking chick who, uh, who hunts this dragon. And uh, we're pretty stoked about it. Uh, it was great because we met at New York Comic Con. Two days later, I left the US and went to Indonesia for about a week and uh, wrote the whole thing sitting on the beach. And, um, and like, so, and like the beginning, you see see the lineup, right? My my kid is over there for school or kind of for school. And uh, so we went over there to visit her and, uh, uh, but yeah, you see in the opening credits of the thing, like the chick comes out of the ocean and onto this island. And I just basically wrote the thing sitting on an island and, and Jared's style just totally inspired me to, 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 it just spilled out by sitting in this crazy place. So, uh, it feels like a hero journey from like a D and D campaign. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah, it's it's, it. it's very sword and sorcery, uh, urban like fantasy. It's it is very traditional, and it's one of the first super traditional fantasies I've ever done. Um, we, there's not a picture of the dragon in it because it's a little spoilery when you get to the dragon and you find out what's up with it. But uh, yeah, it's yeah, a cool I, story. It's fun. Yeah, that oh. was like I'm I'm on the boat with Shine. Just shut up and take my money, bro. But um, no, it, it, it's like again we got to talk to you about which uh, again, guys. Um, if you're um, watching. Um, definitely check out the link in the description, which is also linking to the creative series interview we did with Jeff, where he was talking about Cap- um, Captain Holmes and Major Watson, which again was another fantastic Kickstarter that we ha- were able to get to cover and talk to you about that book and learn more about you and everything. I'm glad to get to like you know get to know you too um, through the meeting through the comics world and everything because you know, and 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 just seeing your books and all that like. Between um, some of the creators, I know your material too is definitely the material. I would definitely love them to be like, hey, give this guy a contract to make his stuff a Netflix show right now. Pay him all the money because these this stuff is fantastic. And the cocktail enthusiasts 
I want them cocktails. I'm, I, <laughs> yeah. The cocktail part's fun. Uh, it's great to be able to ride in that world because, like I said, I was a bartender for 20 years. Bunches of my old regulars are in this book. Old coworkers of mine have become oh, characters awesome. in the book. Like that, that mermaid's not just some random mermaid made up that we made up. She totally is based on a couple of different ladies that I work with. And there's a, a, killer, a killer character from issue two who appears again in issue three who's uh, uh, a part of the house band at the bar who uh, is based on an old bar regular of mine named Bill Perkins who was a bass player and played in a lot of bands in Lubbock and passed away a few years ago. And so we, we, we made a magical version of him and he ends up in the book and a lot of my old bartending friends have seen it and they're, are, are glad to be able to remember Bill in that cool way. So that's stuff like that is, is why you want to like totally write what you know and make things yeah. out of life experience and, and what have you. And so we're really stoked to be able to get it out there. And we're really pleased that people are responding to it. I couldn't believe it was as high up as it was on only the first day. How, how long has this been like a concept that's been like floating around in your head? It's interesting because uh, the way it came out of my head had to, all had to do with meeting artists and, and how much as a writer I respond to creative people and the things that people draw. I had the idea maybe to write a story about a magical bartender or a superhero bartender. It wasn't certain. Didn't really know who they were, what they were, what the story was about or anything. And I was at a show. I'm pretty sure it was San Diego Comic Con, but it might have been WonderCon. It was when I still lived on the West Coast. And I met a young lady named Lacey LeBlanc, who was an artist at one of these creator meetups that we are all been a part of. And I was flipping through her portfolio, just looking at her art, and there was a full page head sketch of uh, this woman with blue hair and half a mohawk and uh, the crisp white collar shirt. And I was like, wow, that's, that's my magical bartender. And I didn't even know she was a woman until I saw this picture, but <laughs> that's her. Please let me write this story for you. It's about this woman who's a bartender, but she's also secretly a wizard. She makes drinks with magic because she has a cookbook, like a magic cookbook of how to bake unicorns, but she's super vegetarian and she doesn't give a crap about baking unicorns. <laughs> but she can use the magic to make drinks instead. And Lacey looked at me and she's like, okay, crazy dude, like whatever. And I was like, come on, let's do it. And she's like, okay, okay, okay. And, and the more I talked to her about it, like just looking at her art, like the story started exploding in my mind. And she was an art student and she killed it. She did a seven page little mini comic that we did on the web. And um, she crazy talent. She's going to explode one day. Uh, you can find her on the internet at dead bomb art. Um, she's great. Um, she didn't end up doing the full length print comic because she was still in school and, and, you know, circumstances were what they were. Um, but she passed off all of her artwork and character design and stuff to David when I met David and David just took it and ran with it because his style is built for this kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's, it's been around as a concept in a couple of different forms for probably six years, maybe That's a little dope. longer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we, like I said, we had two issues cranking and we were really rocking it before the pandemic hit. And then, you know, that changes things. And uh, in, in particular, you know, some of our team, their jobs changed. And so they were just, you know, it had to get a little slow. But yeah. now that things are getting back to normal and things are normalizing, we can pick it up again, which we're really excited to do. And you're and it's still climbing, guys. This, you know, it, this is day one. We haven't even gotten we haven't even passed a day and you're already a little over half your goal towards um getting this fully funded which again congratulations on that thank you the artwork yeah. is beautiful and everything well, but yeah 60 percent. i have one final question which is which is yeah we know you did it, <laughs> I didn't do it. every time what's somebody up? says that i get worried what what's up george george you hey, gotta george. get jeff on your show he has a kickstarter that just launched today fully funded bro fully funded right now fund it right now bro go go right now 
give him your money, George. George is from Catch the Craze. Catch him on Catch the Craze. We did an awesome creative series with him um not too long ago too. Catch that guys um and Catch the Craze is awesome. We we did we invaded their show too, which that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. had a lot of fun. Um, but no, I wanted to ask about the big bad of the forces of evil, Mace Zentazari. Ah. What can we ask about this guy that you can reveal that's not too spoily and what we that, can expect as fans? That great big old fat evil looking something. Like I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mace is really great because uh, man, uh, David took my idea about what evil really is in the world and super ran with it. He was a character that for me was really vague when we first started because to me, like I say this all the time and I'll get all philosophical for a minute, but like the only real evil in the world and the root of all evil in the world is greed, just selfishness, just people who say me first and everybody else later and get out of my way. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I just need me and mine, right? People who don't think about the world at large and people don't think about others. And when it came to a story about a wizard who protects magical creatures from being hunted in a world where there's almost no magic left because human wizards for years were greedy bastards who took whatever they wanted. The villain had to be massive, like gluttonously huge and gross. So David created this, this, this villain who is, he's not big in the way Thanos is big or in the way uh, dark side is big. He's a disgusting fat slime ball. Like he's all belly. He's like, oh, he's like this big, right? He's he's just gluttony and greed personified. Um, he has a deep connection. To, and, and, and like, he's, I mean, look at that dude, right? I mean, he looks pretty big right there. But uh, he's, he's just, he's willing to take whatever he can. He's not interested in sharing things with people. He doesn't care if things are endangered or if the last mermaid in the world is out there. He wants to catch her and cook her and eat her. Like, come on, man, that's not cool. He's, he's gross. Like, ultimately, Mace is super gross. Um, and his name comes from one of my wife's best friends, so she gets really crabby when I say all these terrible things. About <laughs> but, uh, because I actually know someone whose name is Mace, which is pretty amazing. And she's, <laughs> she's awesome. She's a professional flamenco dancer. And so Mace's last name means dancer in some other language. I want to say Bulgarian. And that's where we got it. Like, we named it after her because she's one of my wife's cocktail friends. And, uh, but it just seemed like a super dope name. And, and then David took him and just made him this great big fat slime ball. Um, but he also has a connection to Lark's past, Lark's missing father, and the source of Lark's actual magic, our main character's magical stuff, possibly co is connected to Mace. And there's a new character in issue three that starts to connect those dots a little bit. Mace is going to meet, um, I don't want to get too spoilery. Mace is going to meet a character who's only known as D, and D has some deep, dark connections to Mace and to Lark's dad. And we're going to see the beginnings of that in, the issue, in this issue. And then in the next issue, it's really going to explode. So, Guys, you, you're here right here. The, yeah. the link is in the description for the Kickstarter. Again, Jeff is a little more than halfway there. So come on, fully fund this. Let's get this funded so we can get into some stretch goals. <laughs> Um, because this book list looks amazing, and from what we've seen so far and heard so far, come on, guys, it, it, and wizards and cocktails. Like, <laughs> week and then just have three weeks of stretch goals. That's it. That's right. That's <laughs> the goal. That's what we're hoping. Break a stretch goal. Make a stretch goal. Break it again. Just rinse, repeat. I mean, at the rate that's you're right. going, I'm sure that's what we're gonna get. <laughs> I think we're gonna. I, I think we're gonna be okay. Not gonna wood. I hate to say that, but um, we've had we we've had some fantastic creators out there who've helped us. Um, a lot of the folks in my network are really pushing it on 
all the social media and you guys being around and helping us, letting us come on the show and talk about it. It's pretty great. So anytime, man, again, we, we and again, <clears throat> we love always having you on the show, bro, as a, you know, get to connect and, and, and also talk geek, which we're going to do right now. Tone, give us the warning. Ah, yes. The spoiler warning for you, George, my friend, just for you. We waited just for you <laughs> tonight. We are talking, uh, episode five of season one of what if zombies um i guess i get to say it again and it's relevant tony stark has died tony stark was was eaten decapitated a whole bunch of avengers died it was rough and then we've got a zombie Thanos at the end i'm i'm here for it I, i really i really hope they run with this and we'll see but uh yeah tony stark is dead and eating things alive let's get to it let's get to it so jeff you are well well first of all George says, what's up? Remembers you from the writer's panel because that was an awesome panel. You guys can check out the writer's panel still on the Embion web, um, Embion YouTube, Embion.com. That was tons of fun. Oh, dude, I, that was one of the fun panels there. And then here we go. He says, thank you, sirs. Yes, he <laughs> loves it. So, Jeff, how did you feel about this What If episode with the tie-in with the mom and everything that was going on? Please, well, I please. got, I got to say, man, What If is just getting darker and darker and darker, <laughs> right? Like, yes. I mean, my wife and I both finished it and we kind of turned and looked at each other and we were like, wait, did that just happen? Are all the Avengers dead? <laughs> and it's, it's, I don't know what's going on. Uh, I really dug it. I really did. I didn't read the old Marvel Zombies series that much. I used to pick them up in the shop and flip through them because – it was a treat to like look at the crazy art that those guys are coming up with of turning yeah. these various Avengers in and other Marvel characters into zombies and stuff. Um, this was pretty compelling. It was, I wouldn't say it was as dark as the walking dead, obviously, but it had that, that undertone in there of a lot of loss. And it was really interesting to me that they put Spider-Man at the heart of this particular story because we haven't seen in the MCU, a whole ton of Peter's loss. Like, obviously, they skipped right past the Uncle Ben stuff, and we get all that. Uh, because, I mean, come on, we've seen that like 14 times. Yes. And and, <laughs> I, and it, was, it was right to do so, right, and skip right past it. And Peter's a younger kid, and the Tom Holland version of Peter is super positive and fun. And he's like that here, too. Like, that's a part of the core of this, of this episode. But it was the first time you hear him talk about Uncle Ben, as far as, ever, as I can remember. He was, you could tell, you could see even in the animated face, the heartbreak uh, of losing his Aunt May, which we, they glossed right over, but clearly that's what happened. And the idea that Hope can talk him into being this positive force at the end of the world with all the zombies and stuff. And he, and then he like immediately layered in that dark, I have lost a lot of people to this apocalypse type thing. That to me was super compelling. Like that part of the story in particular, taking this positive force in the, MCU and and reminding you that like Peter has this incredible sadness and that's sort of what gives him strength at the thing like that as the writer to me I was that was my favorite part of the whole thing I thought it was great Peter Grimes Brothers. Brothers. <laughs> it's crazy how they Futurama heads in a tank um Scott Lang <laughs> yeah I love how the how uh, Vision Vision solved zombieism and apparently he also solved in a tank and keeping them alive like he yeah. didn't get around to this guy doesn't have a heart or any lungs or whatever. He's just in this thing. It's just a head. Whoops. <laughs> it's fine. I love that. And, I love that. And like, um, no. If, if there's a character in the MCU that you're going to put as the head in the jar, it's it's, it's Lang. It's like, it's who, Lang. Else, who, else, who else is head? 
No, and but he, he's he can make it work. He he can be positive and excited and just make it run. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, you know him saying when Guardian Leviosa, like that's him. That's just <laughs> <laughs> like dude, like you can't have any other Avengers head just there because they would just be all mopey. <laughs> well, yeah. so I I I admit that like I'm pretty ignorant about how animation actually gets made. I mean, I understand the nature of, of whatever, but for years I didn't totally know that they generally record all of the audio first and then go in and animate the stuff. Like I used to wonder how the actors like talked and made it match the words from the thing. And then I realized it's stupid. That's not how they do it. Um, but like we, while I was watching it, I kept thinking, how much of this did uh, Paul Red just completely ad lib? Like that when Guardian Leviosa thing. Did yeah, somebody did he do something else? And they're like, no, 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 no. You, you can't use that's not a Disney property, man. You can't throw that in there. You're gonna get as sued. A, as a and, betting man, I would say the odds are pretty good. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, Paul Rudd loves to just rip that yeah. stuff. So uh, that was super funny. Absolutely. So, so because I, I, I know me, Tony and Law loved the episode because it was just that whole zombie. But um, I wanted to get your take on that. But um, what I want to touch up on is the final Avenger lineup that we got to defend the world. I wanted to get everyone's take on that because this was like the. I don't want to say the bottom of the barrel, but I'm kind of surprising. Like we had Happy Hogan, we had um, what's his face? We had Kurt from Ant Man, who was part of our crew. We had Hope Van Dyne. I mean, this was just like the last people. I mean, how did you guys feel about this final version of um, being the last remaining heroes? Law. I mean, we oh oh, you're thinking me first. Yep. So we have two we have two takes for that because we have the final you know people that you meet before they hit uh, Grand Central Station or. And whatnot, and then you have them when they finally get to you know where um, vision is right, uh, you know. So there's two versions of it. I love the original. Like you have happy, you have. It seems like that kind of um, uh, what's the word? That it was like the, it was like the replacements. That's what it felt like. <laughs> yeah, it's like all- the like the A team got struck out, and like now we need to. And like these aren't like, and not to kibosh any of these characters. A lot of them right, are capable the- heroes, but they're not. They're not the varsity team when it comes to like who are your starters. Your starters right. all got white. Yeah. <laughs> so essentially, so, yeah. it feels like like they're just like, oh, it's on us. I do like that they let Okoye, um, who. You know her her VA uh, played Michonne. Like I thought that was pretty dope. I was like, come on, yeah, Michonne back for the zombie apocalypse. Let's do it again. Um, but having having a few characters like uh, the Kurt guy who was uh, one of the characters from um, Ant Man and Wasp and what have you, and uh, having uh, Emily, uh, what's her what's her name? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <coughs> bless you. The the power broker. The, yep, the, the new power the broker. New power, bless you. Yeah, was she the power broker? Was she not? I don't know. Not still right now. Not right now. But it was a very not in this one. She didn't make it as a power broker yet. It was right. Like depending on when the zombie apocalypse happened in the Marvel universe. That's also true. I feel like it happened before the snap. It's before this. It's two weeks. So they. So the watcher gives you this. So the whole timeline. Right, because he crashes into. Yeah, the MCU timeline is the same except two weeks before Banner drops. So Civil War happened, and like you know. Nothing brings a brotherhood back together like a zombie apocalypse. But it was pre. <laughs> but it was. But it was pre Civil War. It was post uh, the. Uh, no, it was Civil War. No, it, it was, was, that, it was, it was after Civil, Civil War. That's when, that's when it was Civil back. War that she got screwed over by Cap and ended up on the run. Right. And whatever, which yeah. So, 
So yeah, yeah, she would have been at least partially established as the power broker by then. But yeah, having so having I that, mean that, zombies yeah. eat the whole world's kind of tough to be a power broker Magipore. Magipore's <laughs> nothing but zombies. Fair point. Mm -hmm. But then you have like the last where we find out like the reveal where we have Black Panther, we have Vision, we have uh Scott Lang, and you're just like, This is like who we have left. Like this we have Wanda who's a nutcase at this point, which has gone like zombie mad crazy. And then you also have Vision who's just like, Yeah, I'm gonna that's my girl, I'm gonna support her. It's like, no, um, like this is where you draw the line, sir. Like so, there's so, gotta be a line in the sand. So you guys felt that Vision played that one trope in a zombie flick that wants to keep their loved one alive. Yes! Yeah, yeah, Vision was the governor. They did yes, all the tropes. Yes. They did, yeah, they did they them did, all. They did them all, and they did them perfectly, and they worked within 32 minutes. You got yeah. most yeah. zombie apocalyptic movie tropes. Who's who's going to be the governor? It's going to be Vision because he's super dedicated <laughs> to Wanda. Like that's how it yeah. is. It's not a kid; it's his wife. But whatever. Like, it's the same. It's the same. It's, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, Vision is very single minded and super dedicated to Wanda, especially the MCU version of Vision that we know. Oh, so yeah. yeah. I, I, I love that Spider-Man, um, they used him to do the, the Zombieland, zombie land, um, little montage thing with uh, how yeah. to survive in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, it was a mix of Zombieland for the rules and then uh, and also with his his uh, homecoming where you see his video of everything that happened in Civil War at the airport. So it's cool that they mixed both of those. Yeah. Tone, I thought you were Oh shit! Uh, are we talking about the B team? Is that what we're talking? Because we just yeah. kind of went on a riff. Yeah, I mean, we we can go past the B team. <laughs> we can go past we both the B team. Stuff yeah, on yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go Actually, past the B team. I want to ask you guys, and I want to see who wants to take this first. Did you notice some of the little nods that they did both to the comics and um, the Thanos butt thing? They really gave a nod in this. Do anybody remember that? I will, I will, I will, I will, I will take the, I will take this. I don't know why, but I will. <laughs> they, I no, it's so I didn't. For one, I didn't read the Marvel Zombie comic run. I watched a bunch of YouTube videos, and I saw there's a number of really good comparisons they do, like what they did with T'Challa and all that. There's a lot of them in there. If so, if you read the run, a lot of nuggets for you. But the Thanos butt thing is. Are you talking about when Hope went inside Sharon and then expanded? And expanded and because remember, yeah. for a while, everyone was like, "That became a meme." We're like, "Why doesn't Ant Man just fly up back there and just grow up?" And they and we kind of got something like that with this, which I think was a nod at the fans. I mean, I don't. I really don't know. But you know, if you want to think it's a nod. You can. I, I don't think <laughs> Kevin Feige and the rest of them are like. You know what? Let's let's feed this. But you know, it, <laughs> go ahead. It so. makes logical sense that Hope, who is way smarter than Scott, would realize. Let me go inside the zombie and expand and blow it up from the inside. Right. Like where Scott's like, maybe, maybe that would come up. You know. Oh, I think we. So, I think that one lost Jeff. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Jeff was like, "We are not talking about that one." <laughs> yeah. But uh, um, I did notice some of the nods to the comic book run, yeah. which I thought were which I thought were real, which I thought were pretty cool, um, and that they were able to kind of add those homages uh, to it because it's not we're not getting a full series; we're literally just getting like this thirty-minute slice in the life of the apocalypse, and they were able to kind of fit it all in. It didn't feel force-fed. They still told their narrative, uh, but were able to kind of weave in what the fans of that run know, which I thought was cool. I think that's been yeah. one of the strengths of the What If series the whole time is that every one of these is a whole literal world. Like it's 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 an entire comic run if you were writing this as a comic. Mm -hmm. It's so much world building in such a tiny little bit of space. 
and it, it super helps that we know all these characters, right? Like you don't have to figure out why uh, Hope's a good person and why Spidey's got a good core and that Sharon and Bucky have a past and all of that stuff because we all understand the MCU and we all get it. But they still built mountains of world into every one of these episodes. And this one in particular, I mean, they went from Bruce frying through the thing to zombie apocalypse to how many states were we in in the course of this thing? At least three. It's bonkers. Um, yeah, they they and and the Doctor Strange one before it, and every episode of What If so far has been for a compact storytelling space, like a really really great set of world building. Yeah, and I'm I'm confused at what they're going to do because I do know we are supposed to get the Party Thor episode, so I don't know if that's going to be the levity that we get for these past two weeks. We need a break, we, right? Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if tomorrow is Party Thor and then. No. Uh, is supposedly the um, Killmonger meets. Oh, is it? Episode, yeah, that's a good. So. That's a that's a good episode too. Because Killmonger's given a new it, light. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not as dark. But yeah, knowing Killmonger's backstory, it still could be. If if he didn't if he didn't leave Wakanda, that is true. So right. we'll see. Um, but yeah, no, I know we've got we've got a couple episodes, but I, I don't I don't know, man. Um, it's kind of crazy how they're doing it and they're making it work and they're just kind of. All, I, I, I just I love what they're doing. I, I don't know. I can't. I keep gushing over it, but I really love the zombie one just because it's zombies. But like, what makes the zombie world scary is like all the other stuff around it about it. Huh. And you throw in like these superheroes who, for some reason, even though they're zombies and they're eating people and biting, they're still able to do all their powers, which is like nuts. <laughs> I also feel. I also feel like we can like to Cheyenne's point, we can track a lot of these what if episodes. They're going to like go back and just blame Hank Pym. <laughs> like Hank, Hank Pym in in the comics is such like that dude where it's like what what happened now, and you look at you 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 know like, like uh that Harry Potter like why is it always you three? It's literally Hank, uh Tony, and then uh it, it'd be um Reed Richards. Like those are the three usual suspects of like what you what you three do this time. Maybe Doctor Strange. Yeah. Well, and uh, Hank is a Hank is a generally a horrible person in the comics a lot. Like yeah. if you get really into the backstory and the abusive mm -hmm. stuff and some of the real sketchy episodes of, of Hank and they, they have not made that part of his character in the MCU. They no. skipped ahead to I, him being super old and we didn't really see much of Hank. And I, I think that's probably a wise choice because Ant-Man's real goofy and you can't start with the dark Hank and then get to Scott Lang. Just, just, just go to Paul Rudd and let's, let's have Paul Rudd. Yeah. That's good. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense that Hank is the core of a lot of this bad stuff because, again, people who have old school connections to the character get that Hank Pym has some dark stuff going on besides just being a dude who gets real tiny and then gets real big. Like, you know, that that's pretty boring, but Hank's actually super layered and fucked up. And so, of course, you can excuse my language. And so, of course, he would be like the bad guy here and there. Avengers 213 says it all. Read it. There yep. it is. There it is. That's what we're talking about. But um no um I I I love the fact that this is that in the comics though we 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 haven't seen in the MCU on how much um Hank Pym is a villain in some ways because he's that hero that has walked a fine gray line in the comics for selfish reasons and we're kind of seeing that in the what if series when it comes down to it. I mean we get a little bit in the MCU but it's like they, it's the focus has been more on the Ant Man, um, Scott Lang, whereas on the What If, we're seeing where that selfishness goes, and both times it's led to some devastating moments and death of Avengers. <laughs> but um, I mean, I mean but like you gotta also see what the man has gone through. Like 
Right. Sure. In the other co- in the comic run, like when he's you know beating his wife and all the other stuff, that's you know we don't we, you know that's unacceptable. But the way the MCU is doing it, they're doing that. He lost his daughter, like his daughter was killed on a mission, so he's holding a vendetta against Shield. And then in this one, he's been trying to find his wife. That's literally been his entire life's journey since she disappeared. To then finally find her for her to have a quantum disease, which I right. thought was a really cute way of saying how we got zombies um so yes it is hank's fault but (laughs) you gotta throw the man a bone be like you know there's oh sure (laughs) i don't know that i don't know that the zombie apocalypse in this one is hank's fault right (laughs) like he didn't go into the quantum realm and go she's a zombie but i don't care i'm still taking her back like uh, whatever if everybody turns into zombies i don't give a crap i got my wife back like he didn't make that choice because then he's the governor he made him a zombie and then they put yeah then he really is the governor no, like he he yeah. didn't want to come back out as a zombie. That just happened. But, I, but yeah. I do. Think you you is, go looking is, for your wife. If it turns out she's a zombie, well, <laughs> I do think this is going to lean into like that that discussion we had a couple episodes back, where Marvel's villains kind of feel like eh. Sometimes they're very hit or miss. Where you know we're not seeing a, enough of them. Now we're seeing that question of like, what's that line that makes a hero? Like, what's a hero that could have been a, a villain? These are these are those questions that we're yeah. we're you know we're actually answering now. So I'm really 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 excited to see like a lot of these like you know in that Doctor Strange episode see a lot of these characters that we know have done like really messed up things, but we haven't seen them in the main timeline MCU and see those unfold. Now the other thing I want to touch up on it because um I want to ask everyone's favorite scenes in the movie. I mean in the show because there's a lot of great scenes that happen here. Like for example, for me it was the um Hope Van Dyne sacrifice what she did to make sure they got there to the because she you knows she knew she was dying, but it's like you know what I'm gonna make sure you guys get there and did the whole giant man thing. But um we do get a little bit of a foreshadowing too in the episode because um there are a lot of crazy details in the episode that we haven't even touched up on that they did which was really dope like when bucky was fighting captain america when he punches with his um mechanical arm the animators paid attention to that you see actually the sparks come off but then when he punches with his um human arm you see nothing i thought that was dope but the whole hope van dyne scene was very awesome for me um jeff what was one of your favorite scenes that you saw that that you want to elaborate on in um this this episode Okay, I thought it was pretty great that Happy kept saying blam, blam, blam every time he was <laughs> Oh, good. That, that, again, felt like a Jean Favreau moment where he's like, well, what if I, when every time I used it, I just did whatever, and they were like, I don't know, try it. And he did, and like it, but yeah, because, I mean, come on, poor fucking Happy. Happy e- e- either loses Tony to the zombieism or loses Tony to the snap, or like, Happy's not all that happy. Like, a bunch of crummy stuff happens to Happy. And, uh, and yet, like, you don't get to see Happy being all that heroic. Like in the MCU, a lot of times in the physical universe, they made John Favreau very much kind of the goofy, you know, he's, he's, he's comic relief a lot of the time. And at least here, while he was funny, he got to also have a legitimate moment of heroism and, and kind of help out a little bit. Um, I thought Happy was cool. I thought the inclusion of Happy was one of the things that I, I wasn't expecting. I absolutely didn't think that, uh, that we would get a Happy Hogan moment. Um, so that was pretty cool. Oh, that dude. Um, I can't wait to see the cosplays for that. People walking around going, Are you saying blam over and over? 
No, maybe Wim, whatever. Wim reminds me of that. Ewan McGregor used to do the the lightsaber sounds for the early episodes uh, for the uh, for, uh, Star Wars. But uh, one of one of my favorite moments was when um, Peter was like, "You guys don't have like horror movies in in Wakanda." It's like, no, we have American reality TV. And I was just like, "Damn!" <laughs> like it was so good, but like that that was probably the easy the, the best burn in the entire like run that we've okay. seen. Tone. I would say oh, that, off. and then and then you stole mine. That uh, that Cap and Bucky fight was, it was a, really a nod to that uh, Winter Soldier uh, like movie fight when they were on the rooftop. So I really love that. Man, we, we everybody loved this episode. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. So, so you know, why is my favorite scene Thanos, Zombie Thanos showing up? I don't know. I mean, it's Zombie Thanos. But no, realistically, I really love that Spider-Man plays the lens of the viewer. So, like, when we watch a scary movie and we're yelling at the TV, right, that's what Spider-Man is. So he's like, why the hell are we splitting up? This is a bad idea. Like, yeah. all these, like, all these nods that we all know because we watch this stuff he's doing it too and no one's listening to him and when we you know and i and i thought they really did a really great job of of having him be that character so those 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 are my moments where spider-man i I, i'm gonna say i love the other moment too when um banner realized what was going on he was like yeah because um they pulled again from when bruce banner um saw thor rocket and Groot come in and that avengers um um infinity war scene he's like yeah they kick your butt and then he they recreated that but then he realized something's not right with these guys so again that's another major detail there that i don't again um any details that we missed guys go back let us know also that disconnect that he had with the hulk coming into it where like he was like come on big guy was literally all of like you know infinity war was like come on big guy he was like no i'm not doing this i'm good yeah Yeah, i I liked how at that point the the parallel universes hadn't split that far yet they were still close enough that they could you know that some of those layers of the onion are still blurred together and uh and but that even as it split and it got farther apart some of the parallel things that we know are still consistently happening in in our world so that was good they did that a little in the dr strange episode too but not as obvious yeah as they did it in this. not at this one but there's two things i want to touch up on but first i want to pick on sketch fed because law is going to be on their show tomorrow well marvel took away hank creating Ultron, so it might as well make up for making him a trash rogue hero i mean <laughs> oh he, he was they they weren't going to have him ready i'm pretty sure they would have used him but you know it, it listen just blame hank pym just blame Hank Pym for everything. Bl- blame him, blame him for the fact that that we hadn't got X Men in the in the MCU yet. But that's my next blame thing. I want to touch everything on. like like uh, like Tone blames Peter. Peter oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> I said blame blame Hank Pym the way Tone blames uh, uh, Star Lord. No, that's Pong. That's Pong. <laughs> but I want to ask. Uh, you guys all I'm so. saying is that I don't think he should. I think he should just wait for. He should have held his punches. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying about this. <laughs> I want to ask you guys this though, because uh, we know that the MCU is talking about bringing the mutants in, and in this episode, there's a couple of theories that are going around. That um, first of all, there's the one um, possible theory that we might have saw Deadpool in this. Not really. Again, this is probably a fan stretch, but they were like Deadpool, who um, there was a zombie in there who looked like they had two swords on their back. 
looked like they were wearing a red outfit similar to Deadpool's. But then there's also, too, all the birds that start attacking Happy in the train station, which is very similar because that's the scene where we, where Falcon, Zombie Falcon comes in. Falcon in the comics has been also hinted at being a mutant at one point. Um, able to talk to telepathically to birds. Do you think that this is something to jump on or is this just more fan theory or just nods to the comic in this episode? Jeff, I'll lead with you with this one. Yeah, I definitely think the bird thing is a nod to the old school version of the Falcon. Um, stretching zombie birds into the Falcon as an X-Man is sort of a jump for me because he's not even really that in the books. Um I absolutely think that the uh, I didn't catch the sword bearing zombie guy with the red shirt, um, but that's got to be a nod, right? Because we know Deadpool is one of the first ones they're bringing in, and it it can't hurt to to draw that into the background. I also am pretty sure Marvel has always done a really good job of let's throw eighteen Easter eggs in here and see what sticks and what doesn't, and those are the things that will develop down the line, or we'll leave them in there so that if a, a awesome creator that we bring in. To, to make this movie or that movie says, I want to go pull on this thread that you guys left laying there. They're like, great, that's why we that's why we left it there. Grab it and run with it if you think you can do something awesome and, and we'll let we'll see what happens. Um, I think there's a lot of intentional development in the MCU, but I think there's a lot of accidental stuff where they say, just layer in everything you can and then other people will pick up those threads and, and make things out of them in the future. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's what the Deadpool part of it was because they know Deadpool's coming. 100% um, agree with that. And um, let me see if I could get this image out. Um, well, if we didn't get zombie Wolverine or anything, that would have been cool. Oh, that yeah. would have been dope. Can Wolverine be a zombie? But um, I want to show you guys too the image, like while you take Possibly. on it. Yeah, Wolverine. Wolverine was a zombie in the in the uh, Marvel. Was zombies. he a zombie in the Marvel zombie? Healing Factor doesn't fight zombies. Yeah, he was. Probably not. No. Um, what happened was that it was um, what is it? It was uh, what is it? It was a um. Hold up, I'm gonna bring up a slow site because this thing is like killing me. Um, no, what happened was that in Marvel Zombies, it was a cosmic virus that turned all the heroes into zombies, and it affected Wolverine's healing factor too, which made him into a zombie. Which, it's um, not a traditional medical thing, so the healing factor can't get after it or whatever. Oh, yeah, because yeah. he's vulnerable to magical type stuff, so I get it. That makes sense. But um, <laughs> I have the picture, but um, Law, I want you to lead in with this one. I have no response after what Jeff said, like that. I'm 100% in agreement with that. Like there are times, yeah, you did good. That was perfect. Like literally, so like you said, there's there's threads that they leave and, you know, people pick them up later on. <clears throat> there's also stuff that they do, like that are just red herrings that people just have for the sake of having. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. See, I saw that when I was, when I rewatched it today, I was like, eh, that just looks like. Like Rube, uh, that, that looks like Rebar. an actual samurai. Like he's wearing a, a kimono, sort of a deal. That down at the bottom looks like a little flower in the white there, and he's got way too much hair to be Deadpool. Yeah, it could be a, a Deadpool cosplayer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that looks well, like he's wearing a. That looks like a collar shirt, and he just has some metal. I mean, whatever. It yeah. could be anything. It could be anything. It could, be, it could be anything, and it's it's just it's just one of those things that just maybe it's them poking fun. Uh, my people. <laughs> oh wait, go go back to the image real fast. Go back to the image. Right, right. Gotcha. Let me pull it back up, and I got you right here in the screenshot. There we go. Because yeah, there's there's Deadpool, but then right behind, between Deadpool and whoever it is in the back, like back there in the back, check out a homie with the beard, Sebastian Zombie. 
There we go. Right? Right? <laughs> made a cameo too. There Congrats, go. man. You made it into the MCU. You got zombified. There you go. Right? Got the short beard. Listen, I, I wasn't one of the guys that followed the zombie rules. I didn't work out enough, so they got caught right. being bit because I couldn't Cardio. run fast enough. No, actually, it would be my luck that I'd be caught on the toilet, that one guy in the toilet in Zombieland. <laughs> <laughs> be a, it, it, it'd be at the Shake Shack truck stop Just on, the, on the Garden State. That's rough, buddy. That's Why are you right. stopping at a Shake Shack during a zombie apocalypse? Because Priority. he's Kevin. Priorities. Because he's I like Kevin. that he just assumed that would be the toilet that he'd be on when the zombie caught him. He's like, yeah, other than, other than the toilet in my house, that's probably like my number two uh, number two like, spot. My, knows, my number two, number two spot. See what I did there? And uh, yeah, <laughs> that's where the zombie's going to get you. They're not going to get you on your home toilet. Right? You get locks <laughs> on your door. Yeah. Jesus. But um, let's so we're coming down to that final hour. So Jeff, we're gonna give you this final hour too, because again, this has been fun talking about zombies and everything. But we want to bring you in for the plug. So we want you again plug away at that Kickstarter, because again, this is that Kickstarter that's out there, guys. If you don't know the Kickstarter, you are missing out on this. And um, where's my screens? The Arcane Cocktail Enthusiast, please give us yes. that plug. We are stoked. The Arcane Cocktail Enthusiast is live on Kickstarter right now. It's the story of Lark Larar, who is a magical mixologist. She's a cocktail bar owner in San Francisco and an awesome boss lady, but she also is secretly a wizard, and her whole bar is run on magical drinks and magical ingredients in her cocktails. So she has a whole staff full of folks that are various magical creatures that are all under her protection because human wizards like our villain Mace Dansari like to hunt magical creatures and cook them and eat them and do terrible things with them. And uh, Lark looks out for those guys and, and they all become her allies. And in issue three, which is the issue that's on Kickstarter right now, we see those stakes really get ratcheted up. There are a couple of folks that uh, the villains are absolutely desperate to get their hands on. And Lark and her friends have to really hunker down and protect those folks. And um, they, they learn some of the reasons that these, these villainous wizards are out to get these folks are connected to Lark's past and the source of Lark's magic. So uh, it gets it gets a little dark by the end. It gets a little scary, uh, but it's it's a lot of fun. This is the third issue of the book, and it has been on hiatus during the pandemic, but it is back. If you're a new reader and you haven't read Arcane Cocktail Enthusiast before, there are tiers where you can get all three books. If you like physical books or digital comics, those are all there. We've also got all sorts of cool bar swag. When you write a comic book about a bar, there's all sorts of good stuff. So there's coasters and staff T-shirts and all that great stuff that you can get your hold on at the high tiers if you're really into the swag thing. And um, there's going to be more as we get to the stretch goals. We're already over 60% on day one, which is awesome. We super love all the support that we've been getting from the comics community and the indie folks and our guys on Kickstarter, which is great. We're a project we love, which I found out about an hour ago, so that's pretty awesome. And um, it's going to be a lot of fun. we got a long way to go. It's 30 days. We will hit New York Comic Con right on the tail end of the campaign, so we will be able to talk it up while we're there, and it's going to be a ton of fun. It's at arcanecocktailenthusiast.com or arcanistbar.com. Or you can find the links in. Sure, Sebastian's got links in there. Whatever. We 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 got them description. So guys, you heard about it. It's right there in the description. The link will take you directly over to the Kickstarter, so that this way you can guys can hopefully fund this book again. Um, check out the tiers. There's the tiers. I get all three issues. Check out the stuff there. Um, we want to get Jeff. Um, before the end of this week is over, to where we're now talking about push goals yes. so we want them push rewards <laughs> we want this fully funded and again if you guys have loved harry potter if you've loved magic if you just want something outside of superhero books this is the book for you guys to definitely fun um again 
go there, it's cocktail enthusiast, the Arcane cocktail enthusiast. And I mean, one of the cool things, like you said, there's drink recipes too at the um at the end of every book. So can go back there and just a quick announcement so the 29th we're going to be with mla entertainment on our channel live on the 29th we're going to be doing a live table read so you'll get to hear us possibly read some of um playing as some of the characters with the cast for project infinity um infinity um and law will be on sketch fed tomorrow um on the geektopian so he'll be on there tomorrow but again this has been another awesome episode of Nerds Around. Make sure you follow everything. All of Jeff's links are in the description. The episode we interviewed him is in the description. The Kickstarter link is in the description. That's the most important thing. So please go to the Kickstarter right now. Um, so this has been your boy, Sebastian. It's your boy, Law. And your boy, Tone from across the hall. Where was that beautiful being footage? Let's roll it one more time on our outro. <laughs> <laughs>